right. Uh, our scripture this morning is uh, from the book of Psalms, Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turned people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. Well, there's a lot we can learn from those who've gone before us with significant life experience. Uh, people we can glean from their wisdom, their knowledge. Uh, I came across a Reddit post not too long ago with the prompt, older members of Reddit, what uncommon, non-cliche advice would you give someone just starting their adult life? And Reddit being Reddit had one of its top voted answers, never buy lasagna from a vending machine at a gas station. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be a story behind that one, but... And, all, and like in all seriousness, some of the more sagely advice on there, which I thought was really good, was one, uh, learn how to resolve conflict. Uh, it will help your personal life and you will become invaluable to organizations. Uh, here's another one. Friends and friendships are harder to make and maintain as you get older. Don't take the good friendships you have for granted. And then here's one uh, that was a little bit more cliche, but, but still helpful. Never stop learning. I mean, there really is something about learning from those with significant life experience, gleaning from their wisdom and knowledge, because uh, what they can impart to us especially rings true. You know, it's been time tested. It's been life tested. Well, today we're coming to Psalm 90, a psalm written by Moses, one of the very few written by Moses. Most were of these psalms written by King David and others, but this one was written by Moses, a guy who we're told was the man of God and a guy who lived life. I mean, we're talking experienced the highest of mountain peaks and also the lowest of, of valleys, all that life could throw at him, and yet came through it all uh, incredibly faithful, uh, humble, just serving others, caring for others, came through it all incredibly wise. And here we have a psalm that really is kind of imparting not only his wisdom and his life experience for us to glean from, but ways in which we too can glean life 
wisdom and perspective as we go throughout it. So as we continue this series, Fresh Start, at the beginning of 2023, with still the beginning of the year and now the beginning of the Lunar New Year, uh, we want to take this moment to kind of pause and reflect and think about the year to come and think about ways in which we can equip ourselves with wisdom to approach it the way the Lord would have us approach it. And here is a great psalm of reflection. In this psalm, Moses is not only praying to God, but he was with this prayer, meant, uh, meaning to be overheard so that we too could learn from it, okay? So we're going to learn from his life wisdom and also, maybe even perhaps more importantly, learn how from this psalm to learn how we too for ourselves can gain life wisdom and, and, uh, and uh, knowledge. So let's pray and then we'll, then we'll jump into it. Uh, Father, yes, Lord, with, with uh, many things on our hearts and minds, as individuals, as as a society, as we come in with that too, uh, we, we, we want to pause and ask for your spirit to just really speak to us through your word now. Fathers, we f- reflect and we look ahead to the year to come. Lord, would you show us how we should approach it and navigate it with your help? Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at tools that Moses gives us for gaining wisdom and life perspective, Uh, tools that I hope would be especially helpful for us at the beginning of this year as we look at the year ahead. So tool number one, verses one through 11, we see that Moses shows us that we ought to take time to reflect, okay? And before we kind of look at the scripture and unpack it, I, I just think there's a sad irony how so many of us here undoubtedly understand the importance of reflection in our life, you know, taking time to kind of stop uh, stop and take stock and and take things in of where we've been and and perhaps where we're headed. We understand the importance of all this, and yet we probably don't spend all that much time reflecting, at least anywhere near as as much as we, we could. So Moses in this psalm takes time to reflect, but more than that, he doesn't reflect on just anything. He reflects on some core reality. So let's look at a few of these. One, he takes time to reflect on his dwelling place. We we need to take time to reflect on our dwelling place. Verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You are our dwelling place, Moses is saying. This is something we need to reflect on, where we find our dwelling place, where we find our home, where we find our place or sense of security. Do you ever reflect on that? Uh, This was a a very profound and striking statement for Moses to put here in this psalm. If you know Moses' life, uh, it's fascinating that he would say, God, you have been our dwelling place. Because if you know anything about Moses' story, you know he essentially lived a whole life without a home. I mean, he was born into a family that was facing genocide. Uh, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt had decreed that all little Hebrew baby boys would be killed. And so his mom, obviously not wanting to be a part of that, put, his little, put her little baby boy into a basket of reeds, sent him down the Nile. You guys probably know the story. And Pharaoh's daughter found him there and decided to raise Moses as her own in Pharaoh's palace. So Moses was raised in the palace, essentially. Uh, but that wasn't to, to last very long. Uh, surely, uh, surely enough, young in his adult life, he came across two Israelites who were being mistreated by a, an Egyptian uh, uh, guard, and he kind of stepped in, and the story goes, he ended up actually killing the guy. 
And man, it's kind of a messed up detail of the story that the Israelites, his home people, didn't kind of like look out for him. They actually ended up spreading the word that that had happened, which meant Moses had to flee because the moment Pharaoh learned about that, which certainly he would, it wouldn't go well for Moses. So Moses fled, and for 40 years, he lived out in the desert. 40 years. Then after about 40 years, God came to him, raised him up, called him to save his people. You know the story. I'm not going to go through all of it. Went back to Pharaoh, delivered God's people out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, out into the wilderness, and brought the people to the promised land, the land of Cana, and the people were unfaithful there. Did not decide to go into the land of Cana, thinking, oh, it's too dangerous. There's giants that live there, even though God was clearly saying, I'm going to deliver this for you. All that's to say is then the Israelites spent another 40 years, Moses included, in the wilderness. I mean, okay, 40 plus 40. You get how much time, how many years, how many decades Moses was living out of tents in the desert, in the wilderness. And yet Moses, of all people here, starts this psalm by saying, God, you have been our dwelling place. That's a fascinating thought. It's where he's gotten his where he had gotten his ultimate sense of security, where he got his sense of, of, of home. Do you ever reflect on your dwelling place being in the Lord, your security being there? I think this is especially good for those of us who are followers of Christ to reflect on here in the Silicon Valley. Because if there's a place that's transient and it's easy to feel like, man, I, it, unsettled and maybe this isn't home, it's, it's here. You guys know all the reasons for it. It's expensive. It's hard to own a home. It's, for many of you, it's away from, from where family is and all the rest of it. It's easy to say, you know what? Home is not here. Home is, is where, you know, is in this city or this state or my, my home country. Okay. But actually, home isn't there, even as it isn't here in an ultimate sense. Home is where the Lord is. I feel like the Lord's given me a bit of a gift in this. I used to mourn this part of, of my life. It's like when I grew up, I was born in San Diego, so I was raised there until about 11 years old. When my parents moved to the East Bay, where they started a church, and I was, kind of, and I was raised there, more or less, in Berkeley. So for the longest time, I guess Berkeley was my home, but it was hard to know where to say home was. And, and then Cindy and I got married. We lived overseas for a years, few years. We moved, moved quite a bit, actually, over there. And then we got here to the South Bay. We actually moved a lot here so much that for, until very recently, our kids would every year or so be like, all right, when are we moving again? It's like, that was just kind of... And so, you know, it's funny, when I, even when I drive back to the East Bay, I love the East Bay, part of me is like, that's home, but I, I, I drive over there and I'm like, it's actually not home, it doesn't feel like home anymore, in, in a sense. But China doesn't really feel like home where I live for a little bit, and actually even here in the South Bay, it doesn't, so part of me for a while was like, oh, that's kind of a bum deal, but then I realized, no, actually in some ways it's a little bit of a gift, because it's a reminder, what Moses just understood to the point of just claiming it for himself is that the Lord is our dwelling place. Do you have your security ultimately in him, regardless of location? I know for some of you, this is not just a, you know, an academic exercise for you. This is a heart-level thing, trying to figure out where you are meant to be. Or, but the Lord is the one who guides us. He is our home, regardless of where that, where, wherever that is. And I'll just say this before moving on. Cindy and I are so grateful that many of you here uh, today have made the decision and lived this out to, to place roots here in the Silicon Valley. And as such, you've called this place essentially your home for the sake of the mission and kingdom work of God 
playing out in the church and in, in the area. And we're just so grateful for that because uh, if not for God moving in your heart to, to make that kind of decision, maybe a living away from family, maybe not owning the way you'd want to own or the, the type of place you'd want to, without you having done that, we wouldn't be seeing the fruit of what God has been doing in this church. We're grateful for you. But we need to stop and reflect, and we need to stop and reflect on where we get our ultimate sense of security. That's, that's one thought to reflect on. The other thing we, need, we see here is we need to reflect on the preciousness of life and its brevity. In other words, we need to, we need to reflect on our mortality. Uh, verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Verses 3 through 5, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night, yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. Verse 10, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Uh, my, my cousin used to say something that was a little kind of off color, but it always uh, stuck with me. Uh, he used to say, uh, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. <laughs> it's like, that's funny and helpful. Very wise. I mean, you get the idea here, just at least at the high level. Paul is saying life is precious and life is short. Do you reflect on that? Do you let that really impact the way you're living here and now? I have the privilege and honor sometimes, from time to time, to, to perform uh, funerals okay, as, a, as a pastor. And I'll just say, I mean, this, w- without exception when I do funerals, they, they tend to be a bit of a jolt or wake-up call for folks to just kind of reflect on our mortality. And the other thing that I've just kind of observed is, is usually at a funeral, there are folks who are especially kind of thinking about the soberly minded. You can see it in their eyes that they're just taking that in, trying to wrestle with it. As there are also folks who are there who are just kind of like, you know, just kind of going through it. And those, by the way, tend to be the youngest people there. And I think what Moses is showing us here with this psalm is it is incredibly important, helpful, wise to reflect on our mortality, the preciousness and, and brevity of life and allow that to impact us here and now. Uh, we're going to spend more time on this as, uh, a little bit later on as we kind of pull things together. But do you reflect on that? Do you let that impact the way you're living in the, in the here and now? Uh, the other thing we need to re- reflect on is our need for healing and growth, if I can put it that way. Verses uh, 7 through 9 say, We are consumed by your anger, O God, and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All of our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Verse 12, if we only knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. All right, what's up with all this language about wrath and anger? Seems kind of intense. Uh, What Moses has been doing for us is if what we've just said is we need to reflect on our mortality, we also need to reflect on our morality, and more specifically, how we often regularly miss the mark. We often don't live the lives we ought to live. And you know what's interesting is when when I was uh, younger and I was thinking through these things for myself, I realized I didn't need the Bible to teach me that. There's so much of life and just my own nature to just know. It is what, what it is Paul says in Romans 7 at one point. The things that I know I ought to be doing, I don't often do. And the things I know I ought 
to be doing. I, I don't really do them. It is really easy for us as a culture to point the finger at other people and see all the ways in which they're messed up and the way their wrongdoings are impacting us and those around them. Does, does that make sense? But how rarely do we actually consider the ways that we contribute, where we mess up? And that's what Moses is saying here is we need to face the reality. We reflect on this, this reality that we often miss the mark. I mean, he even goes so far to say, and our secret sins are before you, God. Now, think about this real quickly. Moses, the man of God, was an incredibly faithful guy. He just loved and served the Israelites, who, if you know their story, were just an obstinate people. They were not making life fun for that guy. And yet, he just constantly loved them, served them, cared for them selflessly. And yet, Moses, being that guy, still understood not only that he had sin that was just in him, all the ways in which he just kind of messed up and brought hurt on other people that he knew about, but also the secret sins. So many more ways that he couldn't even just put his finger on right away, but just acknowledge. And Moses is saying it is good and right for us to reflect on that too. And I would just say, man, if we have a hard time remembering to reflect or understanding the importance to the point of actually doing it when it comes to these other things about like the preciousness of life and, you know, our dwelling place where we find our security, how much more are we going to not probably just on our own think to work through our own morality and the ways we miss the mark, the way we, we don't follow God as we ought to, and the way our, the, our actions impact others around us far more than we probably care to even admit or recognize. And yet, Moses is saying we need to take time to consider that. Why? Because Christian brothers and sisters, this, this could be one of the most helpful things to reflect on. I'm not saying it's easy to do. Uh, it takes work, but it's one of the things that the Lord might want to use to, to help you receive healing that he desperately wants, that he, that he wants for you. Uh, it says in Hebrews 12:1, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, pastor and, and Bible translator Eugene Peterson said that, he, he opined that really what it comes down to growing as a Christian, growing in our walk with God, is all about, he said, the long obedience in the same direction. It's just a life of constantly going, okay, I'm going to try to follow you, Lord. And when I, when I mess up doing what the Bible calls repentance, that is turning from it as best we can with his help to come back to it, and all the while God will heal us, grow us, minister to us. And I would just say for some of us, maybe we've never actually done that, we've never actually reflected on the way that our hurt, our, our, our brokenness affects others, affects our relationship with God. So we need to take time to reflect. That's, that's tool number one. And it's helpful to consider these kind of core realities that Moses breaks down for us in these Psalms that we're just trying to go through quickly here. We need to reflect on our dwelling place. We need to reflect on, on the precious or shortness of life. We need to reflect, reflect on our own brokenness and need for growth. So Tool one, we need to take time to reflect. Second tool, we need to take time to pray, okay? High-level thought. That's really kind of the rest of the psalm that, that uh, Moses has laid out here. Starting in verse 13, relent, Lord. How long will it be, he prays. Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. 
Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. If I could summarize more or less what Moses is saying here in this psalm, it's that God is God and we are not. And it's good for us to recognize that, reflect on that, but also go to him in prayer precisely because that's the reality of our, of our lives. Uh, we like to think we're way more in control than we tend to actually be in. And I humbly believe that the pandemic in some ways gave us a bit of a gift as a culture in this sense of kind of waking us up to know that we aren't as in control as we tend to regularly pretend that we are. There are a lot of things that just in the workplace, in our own relationships, in, in our health, that are just outside our control. Moses is kind of claiming all these things, and so therefore he goes, okay, I just need to come to God and ask him to do the things that only he can do. There's another irony here, it seems to me, as a, as a pastor, that often followers of God can recognize the importance of prayer just like they can understand the importance of reflection, and yet not do it. And, you know, I'm guilty of that myself. There's been plenty of times in my life where I've just felt like I've gotten to the place where I am stuck, whether it's with a relationship, whether it's with a recurring failing, whether it's with you fill in the blank, and I just felt stuck. And actually, the gift there is sometimes I get to the place where I'm stuck where I realize, wait a minute, I should probably reach out to God for help because this is not working on my own, which is true to begin with. And then I go, oh, I should probably pray. And I'll just let you know, it's at those moments in my life that I often experience the breakthrough. I'm not trying to make this a, formulaic, a formula that if you do this, then that will happen. It's not as if in those moments I remember to pray, and then every single time I remember to pray, then the answer comes the next day. I'm not trying to say all that, but I'll let you know that it's often those times when I remember to pray that the Lord meets me especially there and things start to change in a direction. And I start to move forward in a way that I wasn't previously. And God wants to meet you and me in those places. But we've got to remember, as, as we need to remember to reflect, to pray, to reach out to him, to do the things that only he can do, which sometimes we convince us that we can actually do, and maybe we'll have a part, but really we, we're ultimately dependent on him. Let's just take, by way of example, one of the thoughts we've worked with already, okay? We need to reflect on our morality, our brokenness. Well, guess what? You and I, we've got to reach out to God for the healing there. But if you know the scriptures, and we see that here also in Psalm 90, God is quick and willing to forgive. Moses cries out, relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servant. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That's an amazing statement. Moses is saying, in the Old Testament, long before Christ, your love is unfailing, God. Now, there's nothing else in this life that will love us unfailingly. Even the most wonderful things in this life will always at some point fail us in a way. Make us glad as many days as you've afflicted us. Remember, Moses was speaking with the, the backdrop of the people of God having messed up, been unfaithful, and just being in the wilderness for four years. Make us glad as many years as, as you have seen trouble. You know, Moses was on to something in a really amazing way uh, that is, is really uh, phenomenal considering that this is long before Christ. He had the intuition to understand that God's love was indeed unfailing. 
It was his intuition, but we as Christ followers know that that is true because Christ, our resurrection and life, has made it possible that yet though we die, we will live. Moses was there saying, at the end of his life, give us many more years of blessing. Make us glad. He didn't have many more earthly years, if any, when he said that. But he understood something that we as Christians understand to be true because of what God has done for us through sending his son to make it possible for us to have this unending, unfailing love with him forever. And really, the gospel or good news in a nutshell we see in this text is Jesus came into this world to live the life that you and I ought to live. And yet, having done that, he went to the cross to be, quote, consumed by God's anger, to pass away under his wrath. Why? For our, be- for our behalf, to make it possible for us to be back in a relationship so that when we, quote, f- fly away, we fly away into his loving, unfailing arms of love. And this is the reason why we can know, really know, not, not, not just intuitively, but based on the promises of the scripture, that he will satisfy you for far, far more days than you've experienced trouble, for far, far more, infinitely more years than you've been afflicted. He will be your dwelling place. But what's incredible is the Lord doesn't leave it there with this promise. He takes it further. His last prayer here, verse 17, is may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So God not only loves us with his unfailing love, but he also wants to establish his work through you. He wants to allow you to be a part of things of eternity in another, in another sense. And it's incredible. He allows you, and I mean, here we are in the Silicon Valley. I think we're all about applying our hands, our minds to things that are going to last and, and have a great impact in our culture for many generations to come. I think we get that. But what God is saying is, I want to allow you to be a part of things that are going to be all the way taken into eternity. Well, what work is that? Of course, it's living for him, his kingdom, loving him, loving others, telling others about the love they can receive through Christ. These things will last forever. But to come back under our heading, do you take time to pray? Do you take time to pray over these things that the Lord wants to do in your life for you to receive, but also for you to be a part of? Uh, maybe there are things that you're just going through right now that just you just feel like you're stuck. And maybe in your own power, you are stuck. But that's where the Lord promises to meet us and be with us, carry us through. So we need to take time to reflect. We need to take time to pray. And then the final thought here, and really I believe this is uh, Moses' main point, is we need to take time to prioritize. Okay, verse 12, it seems to me, is is the main thought Moses is driving at. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We need to take time to prioritize, to look at our lives and consider and prioritize things for what truly matters, what, for, for prioritize towards things that matter most. Uh, some of you, I imagine you've read uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey, you guys read that? I know, I know it was going around uh, years ago. But it's a, it's a helpful book for, for a number of reasons. But at one point, he kind of shares this thought that uh, so many of us go through life living uh, in a reactionary sort of way, okay? We go through life, and we just tend to react to things that are happening around us. So take, as by way of example, email, okay? You hear a little chime or feel a little buzz on your phone or whatever, and you go, oh, I should respond to this email. This person emailed me, so let me respond to what that person was thinking. We live reactionary. And his point is like, hey, you know, we might want to start thinking about how to live a little bit more 
proactively. And not just reacting all the time, but being proactive. So for example, take email again, having set times in your day where you're deciding you want to check email, and then when you check email, prioritizing, okay, this is, you get the idea. How much more ought we, with the most precious things of life, not just go through life, through the motions, not giving them much consideration, but be proactively thinking about them and asking the Lord for his wisdom and insight through it all. Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. We said earlier, time is precious and time is short. Are you living in light of that? Uh, when we lost uh, Cindy's dad early, it it rocked our lives in a number of ways, but one of the greatest gifts of that is it helped us realize, man, this life is really short. There's a short amount of time. We've got, we got to be thinking about this. I had a couple meetings just this last week of, with people where, uh, man, uh, one individual, key leader here at this church, was telling me about how a friend at his previous job uh, was like the epitome of, of like healthy person. It's like, you know, just... The guy you would see on a, on a bike up in the mountains just doing hardcore endurance biking just all the time, eating super healthy, all that sort of stuff, but just at a young age got cancer. Actually, a couple bouts with it, all the rest, just recently passed away, left behind a, a wife and a child, and it's just like, whew. And then just a couple of days ago, I was having a, a, a meeting with a few pastor friends, and one of these pastor friends in his network of about 12 pastors, three of them now have essentially terminal illnesses. Cancer, two of them cancer, one brain tumor. It's just like, wow. Life is precious. Life is short. Are you living in light of that? I had a buddy on a lighter note back in, uh, in my graduate days who found a program online where you could enter in, uh, into it all of like your medical history and like, you know, you know what your parents, you know, kind of had and, and, you know, your eating habits and your exercise habits. He, he did this long, exhaustive questionnaire, hit enter, and then up popped immediately this like countdown onto his computer. Like years, months, hours, minutes, seconds this is probably how much time you have to live. I'm just like, he's like, you should do this. I'm like, no way I'm going to do that. Like, no way. I was like, how can you do that, man? He's like, anyways. But you get the idea. I mean, that, that thought in and of itself is really helpful. Like, are, are you living with a sense of urgency? That life is precious. Life is short. Um, what does it mean to gain a heart of wisdom? Because that, that's really the thought, right? Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. What does that mean? Notice that Moses is saying, God, you've got to teach us. It's, it's of you, right? So therefore, okay, God is the one who defines what heart of wisdom is. Okay, what, what is it? There's a place when Jesus was teaching in his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. He was talking about don't worry in life. Okay, that's kind of helps meta thought into this, this topic anyhow. But he's talking about don't worry because God knows you intimately. He knows your needs and he's gonna provide. He's gonna care for you. Don't worry. And then he says this, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I feel like those words really encapsulate everything we're talking about here. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Gain a heart of wisdom by following the Lord first, trusting him, going after him. And so when you reflect, when you pray, when you prioritize, is that number one? What does it look like for you to prioritize 
to ask the Lord to teach you to number your days, that you might gain a heart of wisdom. I want to close with a real practical exercise I want to give to you. If this would be helpful to you, great. If not, I will not be offended. I won't even know if you don't do it or not. But one of the things I do with every, just about every uh, couple that sees me for premarital counseling is on the last session, I kind of give them what I call a six-month or 12-month check-in, okay? Um, and uh, I find it really helpful. But the whole idea is really everything we've been talking about coming, coming into one, which is why I bring it up. But a six, six to 12-month check-in where if you're married, you do this with your spouse. If you're single, you do this, you know, in your, your own thoughts. You can journal. It's a great way to do that. Uh, but I would say find a, a, a morning or afternoon where you're out of the normal rhythm of life. I mean, find a coffee shop that you like. There's not distractions. Go find a, you know, a place where you like to walk. Just don't do this in between work projects or you know, after the kids get down, that kind of thing, okay? Um, find a, a morning or afternoon, just a few hours time where you can just get away from it all and then have this kind of check-in. And what you do is you start by saying, asking the Lord to kind of guide the time because that's kind of the point here. But then you start with taking stock, okay? Take inventory. What is the context for your life? Like, what is true of you in this moment based on where things are at? And what's true of you as you look out into the future, like, you, you know, you could put your, your health on there, where your family's at, where you're living, you just came out of a pandemic, like, you just, whatever you want to do, take stock, take context, okay. And then what you do is you kind of go through just different categories of life, and I've just listed some up here that you can kind of glean from, but list out different categories of life that you can go through on your own as you're thinking about this or with your spouse, and just one by one, without the, the rushness of life, the hecticness of life, just consider each one of these things. Pray, reflect on each one of these things. So for instance, you'll see that I've put number one up there, or at least first bullet point, spiritual life, relationship with God. Spend some time to reflect on that. Some of you might be thinking, boy, I've never reflected on that. Great, reflect on that. How's your walk with the Lord? Like, what, what is that? And here's what you do. You just kind of reflect on it, think about it, Pray about it. And then at, after you've done that for a little bit, with each of these categories, you just you come up with one or two action items, one, next steps that you could commit to for the next season to go, okay, this is what I want to try to do. Not in a legalistic way, but just to have something to proactively prioritize and shoot for. I'm going to read my Bible a little bit more. I've never done that before. Or I want to start to pray for people. Or I want to I start praying for my family members who don't know Jesus. Get a little more act, proactive about that. You, you get the idea. Church ministry, God's mission. I'm trying to put that up high because the whole idea here is we want to prioritize what it is God's doing, his eternal work. Because what we could do is just jump straight to like, I don't know, I'm making this up, health, personal development. What we don't want to do is gain a heart of wisdom of like, I just want to travel more. Now, if if that's part of what the Lord, you know, I'm not trying to say don't talk about those things, but I'm saying as you think about, say, your marriage or key relationships or your, your career, your development, think about it all under the umbrella of seek ye first God's kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And that sets kind of a framework for all of this. So for instance, I was just having a conversation with some parents recently who were just talking about, okay, what do I do with schooling for my kids? And okay, what do you think the Lord would want you to do? Is it, is it only about getting 10, 10, 10 schools, or is there other things that the Lord wants you to be thinking about, actually even more so, as you think about the development of, of your kid, and you're praying for your kid? So you kind of go through all those, you kind of list out some, some next steps, and at the end of it, you decide for yourself or for, as a couple, when you're going to next do that, six months or 12 months out, and then you put that on the calendar, and what you do the next time around is you start with your notes from the previous time. 
and you go, okay, how'd we do? We talked a lot about, you know, I was going to talk to my boss or the career. I didn't actually do that. Whoops. But let's play this out. You know, it's not a legalistic thing. You, you realize, uh, you know what? Halfway through that time period, I realized that wasn't actually a goal of ours. Okay, okay. Wait, wait, it was a goal. I should have, oh, okay. You, you know what I'm saying? It, the point is, let this serve you. Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. The whole thing is through prayer, reflection. God, how would you, after you finish this whole thing, God, we have just made plans, thoughts. I've just considered all these things. But if I'm completely off the mark for what you want to do in my life, I want you to take the next six months, 12 months to do, right, and, and do your thing. And I want to follow that. Does, that. does this making sense? But just having something to shoot for? Again, you don't have to do that. There's nothing in Psalm 90 or anywhere else in Scripture that says you need to do a six-month, 12-month check-in. This is not Scripture up here. What is Scripture is going to the Lord, asking Him to teach you to number your days aright, that you might gain a heart of wisdom. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? And I would just say, I know across the board, we have a, a younger church on the whole. This is all the more important the younger you are. For those who are chronologically more advanced, <laughs> this doesn't become invaluable later on. It's all, Moses wrote this towards the end of his life. What a gift. Some of this is just passing it on to others, and you, you get the idea. But as you go going into 2023, I know, I know for a number of you, just from some of the conversations I have with you, you're going into 2023 with a little bit of a pit in your stomach. Lots of question marks, pain, hurt. Okay. Remember, last week, the Lord is your shepherd. This week, remember, he's your dwelling place, and he has unfailing love for you, unfailing love for you. And he will teach you to number your days, right? Here's my prayer for you, and then we'll, we'll close and have the band lead us in worship. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on you. May he establish the work of your hands for you, Yes, establish the work of your hands. Let's pray. Father, it is such a gift having a psalm like this that not only has so much wisdom in and of itself for us to glean from, it, it gives us the wisdom, the tools for how to glean that for ourselves, reflecting on who you are, what you're about, and praying to you to receive the help that only you can give, which frankly, more often than not, we don't reach out to. And looking to your help to teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Lord, we, we understand life is precious, life is short. Lord, would you help us to make it count? Not for our glory, but for yours. And so, Father, I want to pray especially for those here today that are looking at 2023 and maybe they're just feeling stuck. Would you especially help them see that you're their dwelling place, that you have unfailing love for them? And would you help them, help us all, help us as a church, number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.